The clown, the clown is, is like the FCC, and I was opposed to the FCC at the time, right? So it was like I was declaring war. War. <laughs> so I guess that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so then did the American Yum Yum Clown Monkey also represent the FCC? Yeah, it did. Thanks a yeah, lot. Yeah, one more, one more question. <laughs> what did you mean when you said, feel my skills, donkey, 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 donkey? <laughs> Welcome to Thank Fucking God It's Friday, the show where we talk about 90s TV, the good and the bad. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're talking about a show that once made the cast of Friends jealous. What? Yep. (laughs) It made the cast of Friends jealous. They all went to the pilot. Uh, They went to the taping of the pilot of the show News Radio. Really? Yep. And they were jealous because they... The director of it was James Burroughs, who oh, was like yeah. a com- comedy director, mm-hmm. created Cheers, and they were jealous of them getting to work with him, and also because they thought that news radio was going to be the big show and not Friends. Interesting. Um, I do know James Burroughs directed several episodes of Friends, so that part of the jealousy was probably squashed pretty quickly, but it's interesting. Yep. They, <laughs> you, you got me with a genuine I reaction. Know. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. That's all I'm ever looking for. Uh, you know to mention friends, so. Right. When I was looking for things to go through, I was like, just start with friends and <laughs> and then Katie will at least be interested. Yeah, that worked. So today we're talking about News Radio, which debuted in March 1995 as a mid-season replacement on NBC. And it ran for five seasons, wrapping up in May 1999. And it should be clear and it should be noted right away. I had never seen news radio, nor had I ever heard of it. What? You hadn't even heard of it? I don't think I'd ever heard of it. Wow. I don't remember hearing about it. If I had heard of it, I was probably like, news radio. That sounds boring. (laughs) I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. (laughs) I want to listen to and watch something much better, more entertaining. I mean, I think they took a boring premise of AM news radio and made it really interesting. I watched it. When I was a kid, my parents were into it. I remember that. There's an episode that reimagines the show as if it was set on the Titanic. Yeah, I looked that one up (laughs) and I looked up the one where they're in outer space. Yeah. So taking something and just completely twisting it around, I guess. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, But I specifically remember that Titanic episode because I was really into Titanic at the time. Was Celine Dion (laughs) on the episode? (laughs) Gosh, I wish. That would have been amazing. But I think... Dave maybe gives Lisa the blue heart diamond The heart of the ocean. Is that what it's called? called? I don't remember what it's called. (laughs) I think it was the heart of the ocean. (laughs) But uh, I was into the show a lot and I remember a lot of the episodes. So I binge watched it when it was on Netflix or something several years ago. It's not streaming anywhere right now. The only place I could find the episodes was on Amazon where you have to pay for them. But I also own the DVDs, all of them. That that's not surprising to me. <laughs> no, you you have so much TV. How much did wait? We were talking about this yesterday. How much TV do you own? I think I have like a hundred and twenty seasons of TV, something like that. And I realize that's a weird way to phrase it. How much TV do you own? <laughs> do you own a TV? Uh, yeah. Yesterday, Katie and I and our friend Sarah went to a concert, 
to see. I, I love the band The Accidentals from Michigan and they were here in concert in Seattle. And they were great as they were the last time I saw them. But they were the, uh, they weren't the opening act, but they were one of the opening acts, I yeah. guess, for a band called Moon Hooch that <laughs> neither of us had ever seen nor heard of before. And you want to talk about taking some something, uh, I guess, normal and twisting <laughs> it. Let me tell you, this, uh, how would you describe this band, Katie? I would describe this as... Band kids who didn't want to stop being band kids, but also wanted to be like rock stars and somehow finding a following. Yeah, it was like EDM saxophone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the people in the crowd were into it. They were so into it. Like, like all of these girls in the front of the stage definitely wanted to like climb up on stage <laughs> and just make out with these guys and do probably a lot more. Yeah, and we were at the front for a while until people like started pushing and jumping and we we're like, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah, like a fucking mosh pit started and this guy was just like elbowing me and pushing me up into Katie. And it's just two guys playing the saxophone and a drummer. Yeah. I mean, they had I think they had like a synth machine or something going on where it was mm. playing music with it, like to get the, the EDM Yeah, they, they did have a keyboard that they would like alternate on. But. Yeah. But I just the best part of it, though, is <laughs> Katie took video of this guy <laughs> who was next to us and he had like one of those. It was almost like one of those Mardi Gras necklaces yeah, sort of things. But it had something on the end of it. It had a saxophone on oh, the it end. Oh, it was a saxophone? It was a saxophone. Oh, okay. And that's why he was... It looked oh. like he was playing. <laughs> he was like holding this little mini saxophone that was like three inches large in his hand and pretending to play it and just freaking the fuck out while he was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it was entertaining. Very but good soon, people watching. Yeah. As soon as that mosh pit hit, we were like, we should just not be up in front anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we had no place there. No. Uh, I was like, all right, well, I didn't even know if you guys were following me, to be honest. I like oh. tried to grab <laughs> one of you and be like, we're going to go. And I just dipped. Yeah. No, we were all on the same page there. Yeah. So sorry if you wanted to stay up there in, in mosh. Yeah, that was me. I just wanted to be up there with all of these sweaty people into the saxophone. Do you know where that band's from? I didn't look that They're up. They're from Brooklyn. Huh. That makes sense. So, probably some people out there know who Moon Hooch is. Sorry if you like them. We weren't fans. <laughs> no, but you should listen to the Accidentals because they're wonderful. Yes, the Accidentals were great. We did a sticker swap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, did. I, you actually got one from mm -hmm. them? I forgot about that. Yeah. I gave them one of our stickers in exchange for one of theirs. Nice. <laughs> Spreading the love. Um, anyways, back to news radio. Yes. <laughs> that was not at all TV related, but a very big part of last night. So. Yeah. <laughs> so the show is about an AM radio news station in New York City called WNYX, and it's owned by eccentric billionaire Jimmy James, who is played by Stephen Root. He's in a lot of stuff. And if you don't know him from this show, you definitely at least remember him as Milton from Office Space. Yeah, Milton Office. He's in Dodgeball. He's oh, yeah. uh, he's like the the dad who owns was it Obscure Sports Quarterly. I think that's the name of the magazine. He's wearing the goggles. In Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, he's in Just Friends. He's Ryan Reynolds' boss in Just Friends. Oh, I watched that not that long ago. I don't remember that. He's kind of a character actor, so he yeah. sort of blends in. Like he's good at. Like Milton, if you were to compare him to Jimmy James, they look so different. Yeah, I think it's his voice. His voice, he always has the same kind of 
voice thing. But like then again, his character in Just Friends, he's like the a music executive, which again is the complete opposite of of Milton. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird, and the complete opposite of the character in Dodgeball. I believe you have my stapler. Oh, right. He's also an old brother. Where art thou? <laughs> I you can't confirm that. I can. <laughs> I can confirm that. Uh, you should watch it. So on the show, Jimmy brings on Dave Nelson, played by Dave Foley, who is fresh from Kids in the Hall as the new news director. <laughs> and in the pilot episode, he actually has to fire the current news director. <laughs> da- wait, Dave Foley's character has to? Yeah. <laughs> so he gets hired and like, hey, by the way, yeah. you need to fire this. Guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He like has to introduce himself as just the generic new guy. And uh, the news director actually fires him. And then Dave is like, ha, 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 funny story. <laughs> uh, I have to interrupt you here because I just found a connection. Oh, yeah? To Roseanne. Nice. Uh, Stephen Root was in an episode of Roseanne. Oh, okay. Yep. He played a character named Peter Lundy in the episode Fender Bender. Didn't watch that one. Yeah, well, but you, we were looking have- for, you were looking for the connection. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> There's also a connection with Stephen Root to Home Improvement. He was oh. in an episode of Home Improvement where he was an exterminator. So... We're just going to keep getting hit. We're just going to get people in all the shows. I do not see if he was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, <laughs> but he is in many other shows that we're going to be talking about. seems like he was in almost every show from the 90s. Yeah, he's kind of like Fred Willard. <laughs> yeah. So those guys just check all the boxes for us. Yeah. <laughs> so when the show started, the most well-known cast member was probably Phil Hartman, who played news anchor Bill McNeil. A lot of their names are kind of either their exact same name as in real life or sounds like their name. So you have Phil Hartman playing Bill, Joe Rogan's playing Joe, Dave Foley is playing Dave. <laughs> yeah. And is it, I would say it's only the guys that they do this to because they're like, oh, well, they're not smart enough to yeah. figure it out. But they did it to Roseanne and Roseanne. And well, that's because she wanted the show to be all about her. Right. And she was get, the one who came up with that idea, I'm sure. Yeah. You got <laughs> Tim Allen playing Tim Taylor. It's, yeah. They, they just didn't trust comedians enough to know. <laughs> Their new names. Yeah. <laughs> so the show also features Andy Dick, Joe Rogan, Maura Tierney, Vicki Lewis, and Condi Alexander. I think that's how you say her first name. I'm not really sure. But the show hinges on a lot of sight gags and physical comedy. It's not a very audio-oriented show, I don't think. Um, so there's things like people falling and all of Joe's weird inventions, which are not in either of the episodes we watched today. There's there's a lot of stuff exploding. It can also be pretty absurd. The season three finale reimagined the show as if it were set in space. And the season four finale was aboard the Titanic, in which Matthew was in charge of looking for icebergs. And he was like, there's no icebergs. There's no such thing as icebergs. (laughs) Yeah. And based solely on the two episodes that you had me watch, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) He seems like he would completely fail at that job. Yep, and that is why the Titanic sank, because of Matthew. (laughs) Andy Dick ruins everything. That's true. So that episode actually was pretty self-referential because the show perceived itself as kind of being doomed for failure. So the Titanic metaphor worked for that. Yeah, I was reading a lot of stuff in my research about, is his name Phil Simms, the creator of it? Paul Simms. Paul Simms. It's like Phil Simms is a football (laughs) player. Uh, So Paul Sims, one, I didn't realize he was 29 when oh. he created the show, which makes me feel like just a waste of space. <laughs> uh, and two, everything that I read from him is just him not giving a fuck about what he says about 
NBC executives. Yeah. <laughs> like he called them cocksuckers in one interview. Yep. And they then the show's still on for like two more seasons after yeah, that. It got renewed like after that interview. He also called the Thursday night must see TV lineup a big double decker shit sandwich. Nice. <laughs> and they and they're like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess we'll give you another season. He kind of backpedaled a little bit, though. There's an episode called Mistake where Dave is interviewed by a magazine and says all this stuff that the rest of the coworkers get upset about. So I think that was him kind of apologizing to the network in a way. Maybe he was hoping, like, maybe we can get one more season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the show didn't really have that much of a chance for success. I think it was pretty widely critically acclaimed, but it was moved around to 11 different time slots. So it was kind of hard for audiences to find. I I have no idea what day it aired on at all. I know it wasn't Thursday. I think it was Thursdays. Was it? What what day was Friends on? Thursday. It was on on the same day as Friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's why they were so jealous. <laughs> well, it was only partially on on Thursdays if it got moved around that much. Yeah. But the episodes we're going to be talking about today are season three's Arcade and season four's Super Karate Monkey Death Car. Which, when you first told me the name, I didn't say anything, but I had a lot of thoughts and <laughs> I just was wondering a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I didn't have as big a reaction, mostly because I had looked up things and that name came up and I had already gotten my what the fuck out, out <laughs> then. Yeah. But I still felt it. <laughs> yeah. Drew watched the episodes over here um, a little bit ago before we started recording, so... He had, these are the only two episodes that he has ever seen. Yes. So his entire context of this show is going to be based on these two episodes. Yeah. And I'm just going to ask Katie a lot of questions here. Sounds good. <laughs> I say, you, you asked me earlier if I had questions we were watching and outside of people's names, I wanted to save them. Okay. <laughs> so the first episode we're talking about today is Arcade, which aired on October 23rd, 1996. And the TV guide description is... Beth replaces the snack machine with a video game compelling Dave, Dave Foley, to face his long-hidden arcade addiction and Bill to crave the old machine's edible oddities. I don't know why they didn't just say sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. The, it's not like they were like some creepy, strange, weird... Well, I guess they are creepy, but it's not like they were some <laughs> obscure food. Yeah. And it's not like it was multiple things. Oddities makes it seem like it was a snack machine with like a bunch of different chips or something. Well, there may have been a bunch of different type of sandwiches. I guess, but hard to tell. <laughs> Those sandwiches did not look good. No, they they looked like they all were moldy, or maybe that was just like the containers they were in. Couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> but more importantly, props to the sound guys. Because <laughs> as soon as Bill crunches into any of the sandwiches, you like hear just an all... <laughs> like you hear the crunches of everything going on. But it doesn't sound natural at all. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even look like it fits with ha when he's chewing. Like, they just <laughs> added the sound effects. Like, just guess. <laughs> just guess. Yeah. It's not an appetizing sound at all. No. Uh, my first question, though, with this is they start around a table in both episodes. I assume it's like the cold open for this is that every episode does does the, the table thing. Yeah. I think that's true of most of the episodes, but I don't know if it's true of all of them. They all, from what I can remember, at least start out in the office. There's not really that many episodes that are other places. One of the concepts behind 
sitcoms is that there's the bottle episode. You know what that is? Yeah. Where everything takes place in the same room. And I feel like a lot of news radio actually is a bottle episode. Yeah. The station itself isn't what I picture a news radio station looking like or just a radio station at all. (laughs) And it starts with the doors for me. The doors are wooden and they all have like this green oval trim around them that makes it look like a portal into like a hobbit's house or something. (laughs) And I just was one. I don't know. It doesn't look like an office. Nothing about it looks like an office. Yeah. Except that there's desks there. Yeah. Dave's office looks like a living room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was his house the first time I was (laughs) looking at the thing. Yeah. Neither of these episodes show the sound booth. So that's kind of set back from the rest of like the desk area. And there's one episode where they have a no smoking policy enacted and Phil Hartman's character just starts going crazy and he is monotone the whole time that he's doing the news. And so they let him smoke in there by the end of the episode. And I think they like shut off the vent so that the smoke won't come out of the studio. Yeah. The (laughs) air ducts. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking the container. Okay. So uh, the whole thing just like ends up being a smoke filled room, like hot boxing. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of students that hot box. Uh Oh, (laughs) you know, you know how that goes. Yeah. So this episode starts, like you said, they're around a table and Dave is reading the the winner for the budget cutter of the month award. And it goes to Beth, who's like, in your face. So she had suggested getting rid of the sandwich machine because nobody uses it. And she's like, they only change the sandwiches like once every leap year. And then Phil comes out because he wasn't there and is like... Best sandwiches in the city. They're an acquired taste. Yeah, they... Yeah, immediately, as I said earlier, they look gross. And everyone is disgusted by him, as they should. Uh, is Phil, like, the the on-air personality? Yeah. Is he the only one of them that's on-air? Catherine is the other one. Catherine's also on-air. Okay. Yep. yep. And Lisa does some stuff, too, but nobody else does. So, Beth is the, like, receptionist. Okay. Dave is the news director. Joe is, like... The office handyman. Yeah, it was weird that he was in these meetings because it felt like he was a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> like, legitimately, that was the vibe I got from him. Is like, he cleans things up here or he fixes stuff. I think so he's why? the IT guy. Did they? Okay. It still seems weird that he's in the meetings. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty small staff in general, but there's only like ever those seven or eight people. I didn't count them. But there's other people who work there, too. Like, when they're doing something in the front of the scene, there will be people that are actually on air. So, I don't know where the division comes in, but... Yeah, so I assume, like, they probably don't have a different handyman for every show. Like, he's probably just the station's handyman. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe he's at all the meetings. I don't know why he's at any of them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I do like his sideburns. (laughs) They're very, I don't know. I don't even think they're very 90s, but just they felt old. Yeah, the other thing with him is that he's always wearing like a white shirt with a short sleeve shirt over it, like open buttoned, like showing off his muscles and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, of course. You know, you gotta, he doesn't really have a job where he has to dress professionally. Apparently neither does Beth because her work outfits were very inappropriate. Yeah. There's a lot of like animal print and crop tops. (laughs) Yeah. What she was wearing at the end of this episode, she's got the animal print pants, but then like, I don't even feel like it was a crop top. It was like just... (laughs) 
Or bra? Yeah, just as like a bra, and she's wearing <laughs> like a cape, it felt like, over it. Oh. Yeah, I, I, missed that. I saw that at the end. It was just like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. So, yeah, Dave is usually the one who is like pretty straight-laced. He's the normal guy. He's from Wisconsin. Everybody else is pretty eccentric, especially in how they carry themselves. So Beth is the one who she's always like chewing gum or is that acting. eccentric? <laughs> well, chewing no, no, no. gum is an eccentricity. I guess she's like dismissive and stuff like that. I don't okay. know. Lisa is the other one who would be more normal, but she's so type A that it's not normal. <laughs> yeah. She's very, I don't know what the word is. She's very anal about everything. Yeah. So actually in this episode, she's sitting at the table and doing a word jumble or she's looking at the newspaper and Matthew comes over and asks about the word jumble and Beth comes over and just looks over her shoulder, gets them all right. Lisa is like, wait, how did you do that? How did you do that so quickly? And she's starting to doubt her intelligence. (laughs) Of course. So she goes into Dave's office and says that she's getting stupider. She's like, I couldn't even do the jumble. And he's like, all you have to do is unscramble the letters. And she's like, I know how it works. Yeah, I just can't make, do it. <laughs> they make that joke a few times. Like she doesn't understand how the jumble <laughs> goes. And uh, I didn't know at this point that she and Dave, Dave were dating. Yeah. Uh, so when they kissed later, I was like, wait, <laughs> this is not somebody call HR. Yeah. This is not proper workplace, uh, you know, anything. Yeah. One behavior. of the things with the show where the creator Paul Sims disagreed with NBC was they wanted Dave and Lisa to be like the new Sam and Diane from cheers. So the network wanted their relationship to be like really drawn out, like, Oh, will they, won't they kind of thing. And they literally get together in like the second or third episode. Oh, so they just like, "Mm." and we've let that play out as long as we need to just go. (laughs) Yeah. He was just like, fuck this. They're together. I don't care what you think. But they kind of break up through different points in the series. Were they dating when we watched the second episode? I don't remember. You're supposed to know these things. (laughs) I can't remember when they break up since it happened so many times. And the episodes that I watched when I was preparing for this were all out of order. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Yep. So Lisa's saying like she can't listen to NPR anymore. And that's what she used to do in high school. Dave says, so you think you're stupider than in high school? Why don't you just take the SATs again? And she kind of passes it off as a comment. But then that comes back around later. Yeah. She <laughs> she really decides, yep, that's what she's going to do. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Beth is getting rid of the sandwich machine. And she says she's replacing it. And Dave's like, what woman? No, I said, get rid of it. Why are we replacing it? And they go and they get rid of it. Uh, Bill gets all the old sandwiches. He An just, armful just of all of the sandwiches. <laughs> takes all of them, including one that's been behind the machine, machine for years, apparently. Uh, and we see that they have replaced the sandwich machine with an arcade machine, Stargate Defender. Yep. And Dave seems to know it very well. Ta-da! No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. Hear me out. With a cash cow like this, we will not only save money, we will actually make it one quarter at a time. Okay, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out. With a pinball machine like this, the, well, the first revenue... of all, it is not a pinball machine. It is Stargate Defender, a classic arcade game from 1981. <laughs> the glory days before the 16-bit processors. Anyway, I think the idea is to kill off all the spaceships. No, the idea is to save the humanoids. That is, if the Arabian space guppies don't get to you first. 
So you've played this game before? No. It just seems like common sense. <laughs> Hang on. Were you one of those guys in high school who spent every day at the arcade hunched over the controls of a simulated spaceship with all the other pale, friendless virgins? <laughs> Don't be silly. Look, just get it out of here, all right? Those things are way, way too much of a distraction. Just, 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 just get rid of it. Yeah, he is like seeing a ghost, basically. <laughs> but we had an arcade game in our house growing up. My parents still have it, actually. We had Centipede. We did not have that, but when... I want to say when I was in high school, uh, the closest thing that we had was one of those um, basketball games where you would shoot... You get, like, 60 the, like, seconds on the clock. Shot. Yeah, and you have to shoot it. So I got one of those, and oh. I would play it all the time. <laughs> I was so good. Yeah, we first had a game called Crazy Climber, and then when I was, like two or three my dad exchanged it for centipede and yeah they still have it to this day but the little shooting button doesn't work as well so basically at some point in the game all you can do is dodge spiders and stuff nice yeah i don't think i've ever played centipede <laughs> it's pretty fun i used to be pretty good at it but it's been a long time since i've really played it since it doesn't work but my dad for a while said that he lost the key or i think that's what he said and I was asking him pretty recently about that. And he's like, oh, no, I have the key. So there's just like a ton of money in this thing because you actually had to put in quarters. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just been saving up. That's that's actually their rainy day fund. Yeah. That's their retirement is they're just like the kids are just going to keep putting money into this thing. Well, and it was eventually, his quarters. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was money you were earning. No, <laughs> no, we were just getting them out of the change jar. But it has probably like 20 years worth of quarters in it. Fair enough. <laughs> so we uh, we come and we're back to Bill, and he's talking about sandwiches to uh, Dave, trying to explain his his love of them and why he likes them, and he he references his mother. I really don't understand how you can eat those things. Well, they aren't what you would call conventionally tasty. I guess they just remind me of the sandwiches my mother used to make for me. Your mother made you sandwiches like that? Yes, she made a month's worth of sandwiches at a time. Then she'd leave them for me in a box on the porch. She was quite a woman. I'll bet she was. Of course, now I have to ration these like a squirrel bearing a precious bone. While those... Those idiots play that infernal game. Well, to be fair, Bill, that, that, that game is a, is a good test of hand-eye coordination, and it does further your understanding of other, other worlds. And uh, I think that really helps me understand Bill's character. Yeah. I think that line right there just helps me understand everything about what makes this guy how he is. Yeah, I don't know how often they refer to his childhood, because this is the only one that I watched where they do. His character's name on the show is actually Evelyn William McNeil. Wait, really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> I clearly didn't do enough research. <laughs> That's what it says on Wikipedia anyway. Oh, I guess I didn't read the Wikipedia page good enough then because I looked at that. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yep. Okay. Anyway, Lisa, we get back to her and she, she, as we said earlier, decided to take the SAT again and convinces Dave to do it with her. I do not know why he would agree to this. This is like the last thing I would want to do as an adult. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I assume the SAT prep stuff is usually done on a Saturday. 
Yeah. <laughs> I would think that maybe the news radio station, they wouldn't have like the same shows on the weekends. Usually I feel like AM radio has different shows on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know why they were going in there. You'd think they'd have some days off, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but Dave stays up all night playing Stargate Defender. And we see that it's morning and Andy Dick, uh, what's his name? Matt? Ma- Matthew. Matthew. Matthew comes in. He's like, oh, just going home. He's like, nope, just got here. <laughs> and it would seem like since they're taking the SAT early in the morning, why would he even go into work? And why would Lisa go into work? Yeah. Either of them. She comes to pick him up at the office Yeah, to she's go. like, are you ready? Like, why would they meet there? Especially if they're dating, I would assume like they could just like stay at one another's house or something and go in the morning. Yeah. Before this is one of my favorite parts where um, Jimmy comes in and Dave had like unplugged the game because he didn't want to be tempted by it. Uh-huh. And because he knew that once he got started playing, he was not going to be able to stop, which is what happened. But he walks in and gets the extension cord and he wants to get some tips from Dave on like how to play. And Dave's like, save the humanoids. Try to imagine them as though they're members of your real family. And Jimmy takes that to heart too much. So sad. All them humanoids getting beamed into outer space. (laughs) My mom, my dad. (laughs) My brother. There's nothing I can do, Dave. They're all gone. Can't, can't take my advice to heart, didn't you, sir? Did it at least help you with your score? Well, I mean, it's kind of kind of hard to see the screen through all these tears. You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about? No, no, I'm sorry. You want you want to yeah. play? No, 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 no. Oh, come on, just one. No, game. no, I really can't. I really can't. I have to get up early for the SATs. Ah, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta call my mom and apologize for letting her down. I'll, I'll see you. All right, thanks, sir. Oh goodness. Yeah. And Dave takes over. He's about to go home and he hears the video game machine talk to him. Yeah. He's like, what, what did you say? And then he gets suckered in and plays all night. They end up going to go take the SAT, which again, if I was Dave. No. Just no. Just say no. Hey, <laughs> nope. Sorry. Didn't get any sleep. I was up working. Don't even, you can just lie. He could, he's the news director for them. He could just lie and say he had to work all night. Uh, but he goes and I can't tell if they're in a school or not. It there looks like lockers. they're in a subway station. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because there's graffiti everywhere. Like it is, if that's a school, it's the worst maintained school I've ever seen. Yeah. And the it you can't tell if they're inside or outside. <laughs> like legitimately, I thought they were outside at first, but then they exited a classroom. Yeah. And it just seemed, I don't know. And then you get the recurring joke that Dave looks like a child, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where these guys are like, man, your mom's hot. Ugh, yeah, your mom's real hot. Ooh, why is she here taking the SAT with you? And he runs with it yeah. to his credit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I just uh, can't get her off my back or something like that. <clears throat> and meanwhile, Lisa is going to go smoke because she smoked in high school, so why not? And she goes and is, I guess, studying. And she's sitting next to Lily Sobieski. Who is that? She was in a whole bunch of movies in the 90s. Most notably, Deep Impact. Never seen it. Wow, that's the first time that you have said that. <laughs> yeah, I get the concept. Isn't it where Morgan Freeman's the president and uh, there's an asteroid going to come and get her? This isn't the same as like Armageddon. You know I have not actually seen Deep Impact. Oh, because that there was... it is. <laughs> This was that year, it was 1998, was when there were three sets of movies that were released by different studios that had the same, like, premise. So there was Deep Impact and Armageddon, there was A Bug's Life and Ants, 
And oh, there's I thought you were going to say there were three movies about uh, an asteroid. Oh, no, Earth. no, no. <clears throat> Two, three different sets of movies like okay. that. And now I can't remember what the third one was, but there was something else too. Dang it. But yeah, she was in Deep Impact. Oh, and Never Been Kissed. And is that with Drew Barrymore? Yeah. So the one where Drew Barrymore is like the news reporter who goes in the school. Yeah. Yeah, that was a dumb movie. Oh, and she was in Jungle to Jungle as the love interest of... Hopefully not Tim Allen. No. As the love interest of Mimi Siku. Okay. That's the name of the guy from the jungle. Don't you remember oh, that? no. <laughs> I thought that was another actor's name, and I was like... Mm, oh, no, no, no. The actor's name is Sam Huntington, gotcha. and he is still acting, actually. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, not in, like, a lot, but... Yeah. Lisa basically ruins this kid's, like, perception of the world. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you got to go into college. If you don't go into college, then you won't be able to get a good job. If you don't get a good job, then you won't be able to have a good life, and you'll fail, and you'll have a bunch of kids, and you'll die alone, and all this stuff. And <laughs> and then she's like, I mean, you want a cigarette? And she's basically promoting smoking to kids. Well, yeah, she asks for the cigarette, and then when she takes it, and I don't know this girl's name, so I'm just going to call her Lily Sobieski, she just, like, walks away, and Lisa's like, don't smoke. <laughs> it's not good for you. Uh, we flash back to the news station uh, where Bill is wearing one of those hats with like the ear flaps on. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about how he ran out of sandwiches at exactly 1231 last night. And he, and he thinks his body is reacting strangely. And, and it's, it's, he's, he's, he's aging very rapidly. Yeah. His system got used to its hourly fix. Yeah. Which takes, if he was eating them every hour, he actually wasn't rationing them very well. He had a very fixed amount. He did not need to eat that many. Yeah, I don't think and he, he was, should not have. I don't think he was trying to ration them. I think he. He was mentioned just like, that he was going to need to ration them. Well, he said he needed to. I don't think he <laughs> decided to. Clearly, uh, he takes off his hat, and you can see that his hair is all gray. And Dave is not falling for it at all. He's like, "You, you really just dyed your hair gray to try and get me to bring back sandwich machine." And then we learned that he dyed all his hair gray. <laughs> That's how committed he is. Yep. He really wants those sandwiches back. But Lisa, after this, is on the phone with the testing people. Because I guess that she can just call and get other people's test scores. Yeah, she gets her own and the others. <laughs> but I assume this is the next day. Yeah. So. Well, it was a prep class. It's not like it was the actual SAT. Right. But, like, still, I, I feel like they would take some time to, like, go through and grade all of them. Because I never yeah. took the SAT. I took the ACT. Oh, okay. Isn't there, like, a writing portion and stuff on no, it? No, not on that. I, I don't think so. I think it's almost all multiple choice, or at least I think it was when I took it. And she scored exactly the same as she did in high school, which I have no idea how that's possible because that is not knowledge that you use in everyday life. Yeah, I would forget a lot of the stuff for the ACT. Geometry, I do not remember. Isn't that shapes? Yeah, it's just shapes, whatever. Square, circle. Yeah. We saw hey. my old geometry teacher yesterday at the concert. Yep. <laughs> did see that. That was weird. Yeah. It's my coworker. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, she tells Dave that he actually dropped 120 points, which that's great. Yeah, that seems feasible. If I dropped 120 points, however many years after taking it, that would be a win. And he's all like, well, there were outside factors that had an adverse effect on my performance. And she says, well, at this rate, by this time next year, I'll be spoon feeding you pudding while you watch Barney videos. And he says that this is exactly what happened when he took the SATs in high school. Shocking. 
because he was addicted to Stargate Defender then, and that's what caused him to miss all of his sleep that night. Lucky for him, his affliction, he doesn't have to worry about it for much longer because Beth has a solution. She has gotten rid of the machine and she brought in what looks to be like one of those Miss Cleo uh, fortune teller machine thing. Yeah, where like, it's the it's like the fortune teller from Big, which I can't, Zoltan. Was it? Oh, was it the one? For, it's, is that, it's not the same one, but okay. it's like one of those. It didn't look the same. Yeah. And so like after she leaves, he like grips the handle and says, I wish I was big. Yep, because he does look like a kid in his dad's suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, he looks like he's wearing his dad's suit. And actually, I wanted to bring this up. They all, like, it's very clearly 90s business attire because, like, the ties are just so wide. <laughs> yeah. The ties are, like, as wide as a door. They are <laughs> half of their chest wide. And those, you just never see someone wearing a tie like that now. Yeah. Just, I don't know that I have paid as much attention to ties since they're not something that I wear, but. You don't like to showcase your, <laughs> your, your breaking of the gender stereotypes by wearing ties? <laughs> no. Come on. But when I was watching this, I just kept thinking about Todd from Comedy Bang Bang. Why? Because of how he got big. Oh, he wished on a Zoltan machine and got big. Yep. <laughs> Lauren Lapkiss's character. Ah, uh, Todd. <laughs> and then he went back to normal size, but one part of him didn't. Yeah, and then my penis stayed big, though. <laughs> Me too. God, that was a good episode. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this wraps up also with Joe giving Bill a big bag of sandwiches. Bill pays Joe for these sandwiches. And he thinks that it's the sandwiches from the machine, but Joe actually just made them at home. And he's like, yeah, I wrapped it in foil, put it in a clothes dryer, put it on top of my car on the drive-in. Which I feel like even if it was wrapped in foil in the dryer, I think they would still come undone. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, don't I think know. he was just trying to dry it out though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it looked gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That one looked probably even grosser than the other ones. Except for the fact that they didn't have mold. But, yeah. like, when he was biting into it, he was, it looked like bacon or something or ham. Like, it was like, it was like stretching. stretching. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yep. So, that is the end of the episode. All right. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I, I had high expectations after the praise you and Eric put on it last week. Yeah. Um, we had a side conversation off mic about news radio that we didn't put into the episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was good. I I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I had hoped I would. Okay. If that makes sense. I That's thought it was fair. funny, but I didn't think it was like the greatest show ever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the shows where you have to know the characters and then you kind of start to get it more. So I kind of wanted to do an earlier one, but then... The ones that are in season three and season four are so funny because that's when they just kind of started to go their own path. But fair enough. The other um, episode that we almost did instead of this was Rat Funeral, which um, NBC wanted them to promote their three funerals and a wedding series for the that day's lineup. Yeah. So all of the shows that were on this day, maybe it was Thursday night, were either going to do a funeral episode and one was going to do a wedding and instead of killing off a character, they just had a funeral for a rat. And then suddenly all of these other rats started popping up too. So they end up having like all of these funerals. <laughs> but 
But I mean, in theory, it sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to rate this one first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I I enjoyed Phil Hartman's. I don't know Phil Hartmanness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get into him in a minute. I I like Dave Foley a lot. I've always liked Dave Foley. Uh, and we get to make another Scrubs connection because he is in two episodes of Scrubs. As uh, I think his name, I think his first name is Lester, but it's Hedrick. Uh, he's the grief counselor on Scrubs, so he's on he's on two episodes that how, keeping oh, that going on. I was going to ask how many episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's on one where a woman like literally has a broken heart, like she's sad because of her husband passing away, mm. and people are and, like they can't believe that you could be sick just because you're from grief. He's like, why don't you treat him nicer, asshole? Uh, he's really mean to Dr. Cox and JD. No. Uh, I don't even think he's mean. I think he just doesn't like the way that they treat people. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is when, I don't know if you remember the uh, old woman who, she was sick and then they induced a coma and then she got out of it and then. Uh, was she in a lot of episodes? Yeah. And then Cabbage gets her sick when he like yes. he gets yeah. fired. Yeah. yeah. When she's about to pass away, he goes through the stages of grief with them. And yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> so those that. are the episodes that he's in. <laughs> Didn't have to look those up; just knew that part. Yeah. Anyway, I like Dave Foley a lot. I didn't know Joe Rogan was in this stuff until you guys told me, and I know that I'd seen a lot of the other. Like, I know Andy Dick, and I know I've seen the other people. I don't know what they're from. Yeah, I know that Vicky Lewis, it, who plays Beth, she was in a few episodes of How I Met Your Mother as a doctor, like a fertility doctor. Okay. She tells Lily that she can eat like Cheetos and like have wine. She's always like, just a little bit. <laughs> I remember that now. I know, I know what episode you're talking about. <laughs> so I like the episode, but I think it was just middling for me. Like it was entertaining. I okay. enjoyed watching it, but it wasn't, woo, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it three pale, friendless virgins out of five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So I like this episode because everybody kind of regresses to like their childhood selves. So Lisa is freaking out over not being smart and goes and does the SATs. So that's pretty blatantly going back to her childhood. She drags Dave into that. Meanwhile, he is already obsessed with this game that he played as a kid. And then we have Bill who is obsessed with these sandwiches because they remind him of his mom and when he was growing up. So I like that aspect and how it all kind of tied together. And I don't know. I think it's a good ensemble episode. Everybody is kind of interacting together at different points. And that's always a good time. So... Oh, and my favorite part, other than the Jimmy James playing the video game, is when when Bill like first bursts into Dave's office carrying the whole armful of sandwiches. Because I just like the physical comedy of that. Yeah, he had so many. He, he literally <laughs> had to have like thirty sandwiches in his hand. Yeah. So I'm going to appropriately give this three and a half moldy sandwiches. Okay, fair enough. You want to talk about Phil Hartman? Yeah. So Phil Hartman. SNL alum. Wait, he was on SNL? I thought he yeah. was just in Jingle All the Way and nothing else. <laughs> no, he was on SNL for a long <laughs> yes, time. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So he, I think this was his first kind of acting role after Saturday Night Live. Okay. And he died two weeks after the Titanic episode Sinking Ship aired. He was actually murdered by his wife, Bryn Hartman. Mm -hmm. They had a troubled marriage due to, in part to her drug use 
And I think she had like been doing cocaine and he had made her go to rehab a few times, but not for very long. And she was prescribed Zoloft, but it didn't really help her because it said that she probably took it with alcohol. I think she also had some alcoholism. And on May 27th, 1998, she met a friend for drinks before going to visit another friend, Ron Douglas. She had a couple more beers while complaining about Phil with him and how she felt kind of like distance from him. And sometime in there, she did more cocaine. And when she returned home around 1 a.m., she shot Phil three times with his own 38 Smith & Wesson while their children were home, which is super sad. He died instantly, at least, but yeah, crazy. Yeah, messed up. And afterwards, she went back to mm -hmm. her friend Ron's and told him that she thought she killed Phil, and he didn't believe her until they went back to her place and saw and after police arrived, she shot and killed herself as well. I remember this happening because, you know, like I said, I was a fan of news radio. Yeah. And when it came back for season five, it was revealed that Phil's character, Bill, had died of a heart attack. And the episode takes place after the funeral. Dave actually does like a two and a half hour eulogy that yeah. everybody says is like really terrible. Oh. And then at the very end, they're reading notes that they had gotten from Phil or from Bill, <laughs> yeah, that were to be given out to them in case of his death. And the one that he gave to Dave said, do as long of the eulogy as possible. And everybody's like, oh, so you did do the right thing. And then it says, if it's anything less than three hours, I will consider it a colossal failure. So they're <laughs> like, oh, dang it. <laughs> so it's a colossal failure. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some really funny moments in that episode. But in general, it's just really hard to watch because... All the characters are coming together to process their loss, and you can tell that they're actually struggling. Like, there's a lot of crying in that episode. That seems very genuine. Yeah, well, they said... I, I was reading something about it, and that, like, that first episode, back afterward, like, they had to stop production a bunch of times because people would just start breaking down yeah. and couldn't, couldn't keep going on. So, they had to... They, they said to work through it. Yep. At the end of the episode, it shows all of them secretly taking something from his desk. And at the very end, Jimmy comes in and has like his moving guys come and take the whole desk with him. And he like sits down on top of it and is like, all right, let's go. And they wheel him out on the desk and all that's left behind is his chair. Is John Lovitz in that episode? No, he comes in in the next episode. So they had John Lovitz replace Phil Hartman on the show they were longtime friends from Saturday Night Live, and he comes in as Max Lewis, but the show couldn't get back on its feet, and it only was on for that additional season, season five. Okay. I read uh, I read some things with John Lovitz uh, related to Phil Hartman's death, uh, specifically some things that where he had kind of a falling out with Andy Dick, mm -hmm. where apparently like Andy Dick was not happy about him being on the show and replacing Phil Hartman and just like... I don't know, probably just didn't feel like anyone should do that yeah. or just even be in the spot. And so they kind of had like some thing and John Lovitz insinuated that it was Andy Dick's fault that, uh, was her name? Bryn? Bryn, Bryn yeah. uh, got back on cocaine, that he introduced it to her and all this stuff. And so they kind of got into it and it seemed like they made up. And then a few years later, they were out somewhere. I think it was just at a club or something. And I guess Andy Dick came over and said that he was passing on the, the Hartman hex to John Lovitz and he would be the next one to die. And it's crazy. John Lovitz like got fucking pissed off and yeah. 
pushed Andy Dick up against the wall and smashed his head into the wall a couple times before a bouncer broke it up. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, so that was something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah, I think I saw something, it may have been on Wikipedia or something like that, that said Andy Dick had, yeah, reintroduced cocaine to Phil Hartman's wife and he didn't, like, know about the condition that she had and how she had been, like, a drug addict or something like that, but... I mean, I'm sure he's not the reason that yeah. all this went down and stuff, but yeah, that that was kind of what Lovitz insinuated, and then it led to, again, him smashing Andy Dick's head into a wall. Yep. Crazy. Um, so that's pretty fucked up. Definitely. But I don't really like the show without Phil Hartman anyway, so I'm glad that it only went on for another season. It just had a different tone to it. I mean, John Lovitz is a good actor and a good comedian, but it just... It felt so different than what Phil Hartman was doing. So I mostly only watch the first four seasons when I go back and watch it. Me too. <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> John Lovitz actually was in a couple episodes before he came on as a full-time person. He was in different roles both times. And the one that I remember the most, and actually I think I remember this from being a kid, is where he plays this suicidal guy who wants to read a statement on the air. And he is standing on the ledge outside of Dave's office and Phil Hartman is like, Oh, this is awesome. And he like goes out there to interview him Oh God! and he's like, um, harnessed in Joe builds his own rope naturally <laughs> to, uh, keep him safe. And when he's going to be reading the statement on the air, he like drops the piece of paper and goes after it and then pulls both him and Phil off of the ledge. And then they're hanging. I think it's 12 and a half stories above the street. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, that seemed because like everything I've read about the show says that it's like it was trying to be like the anti sitcom. It was not following the same tropes as all the stuff. But that sounds very tropey. Does it? Yeah. I just feel like that goes along with its absurdness, like all of the different physical things. Like when whenever Joe's character is going to like going to Phil uh -huh. and this guy, he goes backward out of the window as if he's like diving into the ocean. You know, when you're like on a going scuba diving and yeah. you're on a boat and you fall backward, he does that out of the window. And Dave's like, don't do that. It makes me nervous. And so the next time he swan dives out the window. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture all of this. <laughs> and I, I wish that though. we could have watched like five episodes. <laughs> oh, well. It was very hard to choose the two that we talked about clearly. <laughs> Uh, well, let's move on to that second one. Okay. Because I, I enjoyed this one more. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, this one is probably one of the best episodes of the series. I was looking at the ratings on IMDb for all the different episodes, and I think this one had the highest rating. That sounds right. I could picture that being... I, I enjoyed it a lot. I could see it being one of the more highly rated ones. Yeah. So this episode is called Super Karate Monkey Death Car. And it aired on November 4th, 1997. The TV Guide description is polygraph tests put the staff on pins and needles while Jimmy, Stephen Root, gets stuck with a batch of poorly translated books. Sorry, I was making faces at your dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I was excited because you had told me that uh, Lauren Graham was in the show and we get to see her in this episode. Yep. And I, I like Gilmore Girls, so and I like Lauren Graham. <laughs> yeah, she's only in four episodes. She was in the episode before this, and then I think the two after. 
I think she was supposed to be more of a recurring character, like maybe be in it for the full season. But for whatever reason, she ended up only being in the show for these four episodes. She plays a much different character than she does on Gilmore Girls. She's very bubbly and... Yeah, I was going to say, in a lot of things that she's in outside of Gilmore Girls, she plays like the like constantly smiling ditzy person. Like yeah. in Bad Santa, she's definitely like that kind yeah. of, you know? And then in this, she's just like, oh yeah, but she just, I don't know, she just... I don't even know if ditzy is the right word, but it, it kind of seems like yeah, she's a it's little... Just like bubbly and... I don't know another word to... Not even naive, maybe? Like, yeah. oblivious to what's going on around yeah. her. She's not like that on Parenthood. No, I haven't seen no. Parenthood. No. No, she's more like Lorelai on Parenthood. Not not that extreme, but she's more drama. That's more of a drama show, so... So, anyways, we start around uh, the table again. Yep. And they're going through all their shit, and who's missing? Uh, Matthew. Matt- oh, Matthew just got fired. That's what it was, right? Yeah. So, and... Er, so Lauren Graham's character is Andrea, and she's an efficiency expert. So she was brought in to help WNYX with some budget problems. And as a result of that, she ended up firing Matthew because I don't know what he does at that place. He does just anything that people don't want to do. I thought he was an intern. No. No, he actually works there. And everybody thinks very poorly of him, but in a lovable way. That's... That's fair. So this is the first meeting, their first team meeting without Matthew. And they're all feeling that void from him not sitting there. His chair is empty. And Bill decides that he's going to role play as Matthew. And Beth is going to role play Bill. And then Andrea says that she's going to play Beth. And my favorite part is when, well, two favorite parts. Beth's like, blah, blah, blah. This is an outrage pretending to be Bill. And that's pretty in line with his character. And then the other thing is when Bill, like, falls back in his chair, which is definitely something that Matthew would do. And he, like, gets up and is like, no, there's there's something wrong with this chair. And they're like, you don't have to do that. Like, you did a good job. We get it. You're Matthew. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> See, this is this was actually the first episode that I watched. And so that is definitely, like, things where you need to know the characters. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I was watching and I'm like, yeah, sure. That's funny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose it would be if you knew what was going on. Yeah. I didn't really want you to watch this episode first, but I couldn't decide on the other episode, so that's why. <laughs> so it's all Katie's fault. Yes, it's all my fault. But Andrea says that she's going to be giving all these people a test to find out about their jobs and how well they do them. And Beth doesn't want to take a test. She says that tests are inherently racist. Yep. And Dave's like, I have to tell you something. It's like, I know, I know I'm white, but I'm not white like you're white. Yeah. (laughs) Which she seems like Irish background, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Which is like the whitest white. But she's from New York. Dave's from Wisconsin. I think that's where she's going with that. Right. Well, Wisconsin is also the whitest white. (laughs) Yep. So... After this, Jimmy tells Dave that he's going to be doing a book reading from his memoir, Jimmy James, Capitalist Lion Tamer. And Dave's like, isn't that a book that came out like a long time ago? And he says that his book was translated into Japanese and it was number one for two months. So he just had it translated back into English from Japanese into English. Which I want to know. I have so many questions about that. (laughs) One, like you already have it in English. Yeah. (laughs) Clearly. Two, 
who is the translator? Is he just running it through like the earliest stages of like what would have been Google Translate, right. whatever there were on the internet at this point? <laughs> like, because it wouldn't have been Google Translate, but it been something, I don't know, on uh, Lycos Web Crawler or Dogpile. Dogpile. Ask, Ask Jeeves. Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I remember in, in high school, like when you first started using web, like web search stuff, like you had to decide what. In high school? Yeah, I didn't ever do shit before that. Some of us <laughs> didn't have a Star Wars website when we were in seventh grade. Okay, sixth grade. Sixth, God, you were you were an early adopter of the internet. Not everyone, not everyone did, and so I didn't really start. You know, high school seems late though, especially because you're two years younger. Yeah, but my I don't know. My school didn't have. We had a we had like a computer lab in in junior high. I don't know. I'm sure I looked up things beforehand, <laughs> but whatever. Either way, I just remember having, you would have to do like Netscape Navigator to search things. Yeah. Or, I think I used Ask Jeeves a lot. Yeah. I didn't use that one. It Well, I think it was funny because like teachers would tell you which one to use based on what you were doing. Really? It's like different ones were more efficient at finding different things. Huh. And then Google came along. And then and Google was like, let <laughs> me crush all of your spirits. And also, I need all of your information. <laughs> Google knows where I'm at at all times. It's I accept it at this point. Because you have an Android. Yeah, well, you have Alexa, and Alexa's going to murder you. <laughs> Careful. She just heard you. She just turned on. See? <laughs> She's creepy. She's watching me. So... We're at the part where oh, Joe yeah. steals the test. Yeah, so Joe, like... Did he come in through the ceiling? No, he just walked in. Oh, the door. okay. <laughs> There's other episodes where he like comes in through the ceiling or something like that. And when I looked up, he just was there. So I wasn't sure how he got there. But he says, yeah, he stole the test and it's a lie detector test. Yeah. He says it's a polygraph. And Dave's like, oh, yeah, lie detector. I'm not an Backwards. idiot, Dave. That's what Lisa says. No, they both do that. No. He, Joe definitely Joe's, says polygraph. No, Joe says lie detector and Dave says, oh, a polygraph. And then when Lisa comes in, no, Joe, I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you. Do you want to you. Do you make a bet right now and okay. rewatch that part? Okay. Let's bet a beer. Okay. Have you ever lied to a coworker? Is your resume completely accurate? What kind of test is this? It's a polygraph. Mm. Damn it! Yes! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so Drew is right, and I owe him a beer. Yes. I could have sworn that. Drew just said what Dave said to impress Lisa. No, I definitely remember he was like, I'm not an idiot. I remember that part. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I thought what he said was, if you want to sound like an idiot. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ah, that makes me happy. <laughs> and in the process, I frightened uh, Katie's dog very much. Yeah, she's now sitting on my lap shaking. <laughs> ah, I celebrated loud. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, we were recording that. Oh, were we? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Joe stole the test and they found out it's a polygraph test. And Lisa is upset because that's going to ruin the curve. Yeah, stealing the test and knowing the answers is going to ruin the curve. And then when she finds out that it's a polygraph, she's like, you don't get an A for a polygraph test. <laughs> she's just all about the all about grades. The grades. Uh, Dave... Says, hey, we all need to go down to talk about this. And they go to a restaurant nearby. And their waiter is Matthew. Yep. Or at least it seems that he is. Yeah. And he's like, did you guys come back here to tell me I got my job back? And they're like, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And they start talking about the test. Dave is saying, most of the questions look pretty harmless unless anybody here has a criminal record. Yep. And of course, Bill and Joe do. And they nothing... had been arrested recently. Yeah. Yeah. It was what for disturbing the peace, uh, I think was Joe's. Yeah. And Bill's was something that got him put in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. He's like, I had that tiff in April put in an, in an I cannot say that. Put in an insane asylum. Okay. It's <laughs> hard oh, to yeah. say. <laughs> put in an insane asylum. Okay, never mind. Yes, yeah, well, I did my vocal exercises. <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew confesses to a crime too, and they're like, you can't get fired twice. He's like, I've heard that before. And then Dave is asking like, okay, who's had more than three misdemeanors? Lisa raises her hand. Who's been arrested for a felony? Lisa raises her hand. And they're all like, what? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, I was arrested seven times between ages 17 and 19. And all of hers deal with basically school. Yeah. Uh, Every one of her, she, she stole a car to get to the SAT in time. Yep. And they're like, did you do anything that wasn't SAT related? And the one thing is like, she broke into the post office. Yeah. Because she wanted to get her college acceptance letters. Yeah. She also broke into a library to get a copy of the Federalist Papers that wasn't, like, abridged or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, she she really took her education to heart. Yes. Spent two years in juvie. <laughs> or two months. I didn't hear how long. I think it had to have been two months because that was two years right there. Yeah, so I just remember she said it wasn't even jail. It was juvie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then they realized that they all have to lie uh, because one of the questions is, do you know of anyone else in the office who is done something and they're like okay well i guess uh, we're gonna have to go back and figure this out they want their food and matthew says that they're talking to the wrong person because he doesn't actually work there and he's only there because he was following them and walked into the restaurant that he saw them going into and the restaurant manager comes out and is like why are these people leaving why is that big table of people leaving and he says that it's because their food didn't come fast enough. So the restaurant manager fires him and he's like, you can't fire me. I don't work here, but I do have my resume. <laughs> yeah. Not the best job hunter. No. <laughs> um, so Andrew is given the polygraph test and Dave is trying to lie. Yeah. And failing. And like, it's clear that they're, they're showing his Midwestern values <laughs> and that he's never even thought of shoplifting and all this stuff. And yeah, he's trying to like take the blame yeah, trying to shift the blame away from uh, Lisa to make it seem like he's the one that's done something. And she's like, oh, you, I bet you never even thought about shoplifting. He's like, yes, I have. And they're like, <laughs> wrong. Uh, so he goes through like all these things like, I did this. No, wait, I did this. No, wait, I did this. And every time it just buzzes on him. Yeah, until one time when it doesn't buzz. And that's because the polygraph technician had kicked the plug out. And so it wasn't even plugged in. Yeah. And once they're like... Wrapping up, Andrea's like, you're the cutest thing. And Dave's like, I'm not the cutest thing. And then Jimmy calls him that too. Yeah, but when he says I'm not, it also buzzes on him. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not <laughs> the cutest thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And Beth, meanwhile, is chewing this gum that slows down your metabolic processes so that she'll be able to lie. And she's like standing at the coffee machine with her hand on the like hot part of it not realizing that it's hot. Yeah. I feel like she would have very severe burns. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
Uh, Lisa gives her a high five. Like, does she not realize that her hand is severely burned? That seems like a poor... <laughs> Maybe a, it was the other hand. Yeah, I think it was the same hand. Oh. Maybe either way, Beth falls over because whatever's in that gum, she is messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but that was just one of the examples of the physical comedy on this show. Uh, we cut to Jimmy James and his book reading. Yes. And the person who works at the bookstore is the counselor from Freaks and Geeks. Yep. Mr. Rosso. Mr. Rosso, yes. Yeah. And he introduces Jimmy, author of Macho Business Donkey Wrestler. Yeah, the English uh, to Japanese to English translation yeah. <laughs> has lost some of the meaning. <laughs> yeah, and so he starts reading. Yeah, everything is completely misconstrued. Uh, the original title of, of this book was uh, Jimmy James, Capitalist Lion Tamer, but I see now that it's Jimmy James, Macho Business, Donkey Wrestler. <laughs> you know what it is? I, I, I had the book translated into Japanese and back again into English, so. <laughs> Macho business donkey wrestler. Well, there you go. Got uh, kind of a ring to it, don't it? <laughs> anyway, I wanted to read from chapter three, which is a story of my first rise to financial prominence. So. <clears throat> I had a small house of brokerage on Wall Street. Many days, no business comes to my hut. <laughs> my hut, but Jimmy has fear? A thousand times no. I never doubted myself for a minute, for I knew that my monkey strong bowels were girded with strength, like the loins of a dragon, ribboned with fat and the opulence of buffalo dung. The glorious sunset of my heart was fading. Soon, the super karate monkey death car would park in my space. But Jimmy has fancy plans and pants to match. Did you notice who was in the audience, though? Uh, there were two people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, of course, Brian Posehn, yeah. who asked questions. But there's also Ron Jeremy. Yep. In the crowd, just... Just sitting there. Doesn't have any lines. No, he's actually uncredited in the role. Yeah. And he gets up and leaves before they start the Q&A portion, I think. Yeah, he does. By that point, there's only three people left. Yeah. Really, One of them being Brian Posehn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Brian Posehn has some serious questions for Jimmy. <laughs> well, m mostly he's just asking, like, what did this part mean? What did this part mean? And one of them is like, donkey, 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 donkey or something. Yeah. <laughs> and... It's kind of funny watching Jimmy James try to come up with... I, I feel like I need to address him by his full name. It reminds <laughs> me of Jimmy Johnson, and I just assume that he owns like some sort of NASCAR thing. Oh, he owns a ton of stuff. Like In every episode, he's talking about buying something different. Like I think one time he is going to buy a sports franchise or something like that, like a sports store, Okay, and he ends up just buying a hockey team. Uh, the question and answer part does not go well for him either way. No. He like starts trying to make it sound like he was talking about the FCC. Like, I was against the FCC, and that's what that was about. And so one of Brian Posehn's questions is, did the Yum Yum Clown Monkey also represent the FCC? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and at that point, I think Jimmy just gives up and is like, no. <laughs> this is a lost cause. Yep. 
In the meantime, Lisa finally has to take her polygraph test. Yes. And Andrea's like, you know what? We're besties. Because apparently <laughs> she wants to be friends with Lisa real bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so she asks her like a question like, what type of tree would you be if you could be a tree? And Lisa just caves into the pressure of that hard hitting <laughs> question. It's like, I, I committed a felony. I stole a car. I, I did breaking in. Blah, blah, I mean, a sycamore tree. Sycamore tree. <laughs> and Lisa, or I'm sorry, and Andrea's like, you want to give us a minute and sends the polygraph guy out. I can uh, tender my resignation if that makes things easier. No, don't be silly. You're not going to fire me? No. <laughs> I think your honesty has been really, really super. <laughs> well, I pride myself on really super honesty. <laughs> and uh, let's just say, <clears throat> you're not the only one in this room who's uh, broken the law before. <laughs> Really? Well, yeah, I wasn't as creative about it as you were, though. What did you do? Oh, God, you wouldn't be interested. No, I no. am interested. Oh, no. I really am. Arson. <laughs> Arson? Yeah. And they never caught me. <laughs> oh, I guess, well, we're all fascinated by fire when we're younger, though, so it's... This was just last year, silly. <laughs> I mean, you know how sometimes your boyfriend just says the wrong thing, and then... You know, you say something, and then, before you know it... (laughs) Yep, so pretty sure Andrea burned down her ex-boyfriend's house. Yeah. (laughs) And it's insinuated that she may have hurt... May have hurt him. Oh, really? Yeah, because at least it's like, well, at least no one got hurt. And Andrea's like... Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And they just kind of leave it. Yeah. She's like, well, you know, her Andrea says something about the crimes and at least like, well, at least I never committed arson. I'm like, that's a bad look for you, Lisa. You just got <laughs> off the hook. Don't don't dive back in there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then the episode wraps up with Dave and Jimmy eating sushi at the Tokyo airport. So yep. they flew all the way from New York to Tokyo. Just to eat at the airport. Just to eat at the airport. And all of a sudden, a bunch of Japanese people are outside with, like, signs and a giant paper mache head of Jimmy. Yeah, I wonder how they know he was there. Yeah. Maybe they're just, like, stalking him all the time. I guess. Like, they didn't have social media to follow him. It's not like he was posting on his Instagram, like, hashtag private jet life. (laughs) But, yeah, that wraps us up. Yeah. You want to get this one first? Sure. This episode, I feel, is super classic because it's a really good one for Stephen Root. The whole part where he is reading from his book is pretty classic. And it's not... It's one of the rare cases where it's more of a verbal comedy than a physical comedy on this show, I think. So, I really like that. And then I also really like when Lisa is just, like, running through all of her crimes like, just kind of spitfire, not even waiting for the audience to, like, finish laughing and stuff. She just keeps going and going and going. So I thought that was pretty good. I guess that's another verbal one as well. And not enough Matthew, not enough Joe, not enough Phil, but it's a pretty good episode, I think. <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of Matthew or Joe in or or Bill really in either of these episodes. I mean, there well, was, like, there was the Bill sandwich, on the, the sandwich thing was, but, yeah. But really, I mean, he was just kind of spurting in and out. I mean, they're an ensemble show, so yeah. it's not like everybody is going to get a ton of airtime. But yeah, they have to kind of balance it. So yeah, I really like this episode. I think it's really well done. 
and pretty indicative of where the show went in its fourth season, where it just kind of started to get a little bit crazy, but in a good way. So I am going to give this one four and a half yum yum clown monkeys. Okay. <laughs> I, I also like this episode a lot more than the other one. Like you said, I love the Jimmy James part with the book reading. Uh, that part was hilarious to me. I really enjoyed that. I think I like. I do think I like shows that are more verbal comedy than like yeah. the slapstick physical comedy. I think that's more my my type of stuff. Uh, I liked the part with Dave Foley when he was on the polygraph, like him just trying to lie was hilarious to me. Yeah. And the buzzer actually becomes such a key part of that comedy too. Yeah. (laughs) Just keeps buzzing every time he's like, he's trying to list off crimes that he did and it just says he's lying every time. And yeah, that one was a little bit similar to another episode we almost talked about called complaint box where they install a complaint box in the office and Dave tells Joe to not put a bell on it, so he puts a buzzer. So every time somebody puts a complaint in, it buzzes. And there's a part where Dave and Lisa are talking in his office, and you just hear buzz, 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 <laughs> like over and over repeatedly. What Was that like supposed to insinuate they were having sex in his office? No, no, no. It was just a, like something that was happening outside that oh, people were submitting. People submitting yeah, people things. were submitting just like really stupid complaints. Anyway, my rating. I'm going to give this one uh, four four months in juvie <laughs> out of five. Nice. I'm glad that you rated an episode highly because I guess I wasn't sure how you would feel about the show, having not seen it and basing it entirely on two episodes. I felt a lot of pressure on these episodes to pick. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I liked it. Like I said, I, I liked it. It was good. I just... I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to watch it right now. Yeah. Well, it's very hard to watch since it's not streaming anywhere. Oh, then I definitely won't <laughs> be going out of my way to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say that, as I mentioned earlier, Jingle All the Way is my favorite thing with Phil Hartman. <laughs> More than Saturday Night Live. Because yeah. Jingle All the Way is the only Christmas movie that I can honestly say I love and can watch <laughs> at any time. I like Christmas movies. I don't like them as much as I think like you do. Yeah, I watch... The month of December is just all Christmas stuff. Mostly Christmas TV shows, but I watch only Christmas stuff during December. But I love Jingle All the Way. It's so <laughs> bad. It's such a bad movie. But I've it only... has Sinbad in it, and Arnold, and Phil Hartman, and I love Sinbad. <laughs> I've only seen it, I think, like once or maybe twice. What? I own it on VHS. Nice. So I don't really have any way to watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other little random fact about Phil Hartman that I found is that he designed three album covers for the band America. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of weird. He was a graphic design artist, graphic artist early in his career. And his brother apparently was the manager for the for them. Oh. And uh, Stephen Root in an article on Grantland a few years back was recalling some things about Phil Hartman about how he would draw a lot on set. So, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Joe Rogan was not originally supposed to be the uh, station electrician. Ah, uh, that's what he is. That was <laughs> he was not originally supposed to be that person. In the pilot, it was played by someone named Greg Lee. And for two days, the role was Ray Romano's. Oh, interesting. Can't I can't picture that. I can't picture that. Joe Rogan does the role so well. I just, it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I can't... No, I can't picture it at all. (laughs) Sarah Silverman also auditioned for the role of Beth. 
Oh. As did Mary Lynn Ricekub. Interesting. I wouldn't picture Sarah Silverman as being in that like age range at that time, but I don't know how old she is actually. You think she just looks younger? Maybe. Uh, and then lastly, my last one is that 10 episode titles are references to Led Zeppelin. Oh. Yep. The final nine episodes of season two are titled after the names of Zeppelin albums. Uh, and then in season three, there's one called uh, the Led Zeppelin box set. One thing I do have is that the show was actually created with Dave Foley and Phil Hartman in mind. Okay. So you were saying before, like, you didn't picture Dave Foley as like a leading man on a sitcom. But yeah, no. <laughs> but apparently, I, I don't know. I love Dave Foley. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. I love Kids in the Hall. Uh, I watched a few Kids in the Hall sketches today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Kids in the Hall. I haven't seen that much of it. But we'll have to cover it. I didn't watch it back then. <laughs> yeah. Because I was, like, young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I've watched it, you know, since, and I really like it. All right. So I think that's all we have. Yeah. I think that kind of wraps it up for News Radio. Cool. Next week, we will be talking about Freaks and Geeks. So this will be the first, like, drama hour-long show that we're going to be talking about. I think it's still a comedy. It's a comedy, but it's... It's an hour. Yeah. Maybe and it's a dramedy. Another ensemble show. Yeah. And another one where literally everybody in it just went on to be super famous and stuff after. Yeah. And like crazy famous. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous watching that show now. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have a tie-in to this episode because of the counselor being at the bookstore. Yeah. From Perfect. News Radio. You know Perfect planning on our part. <laughs> Completely planned out. Yeah. <laughs> so we will put whatever we're covering on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us there, we are TFGIF Podcast. And if you want to rate us on iTunes, review us, that would be great. So we can reach even more 90s people. And I think that's it. Cool. Well, until next Friday. Bye. Bye.